to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. No subject is terrible if the story is true, if the prose is clean and honest, and if it affirms courage and grace under pressure. Welcome to Narrative Analysis with Nate. Here's your host, Nate Privet. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Narrative Analysis with Nate. This is the show where I attempt to marry modern media, think our movies, our TV shows, our video games, or anything else we've made recently, to academic literary interpretation. I want to look at our new stories with the same critical eye that the academic world has looked at the old. I want to analyze with in-depth detail the plots, the themes, the structures, the characters, the style of the movies and the entertainment in general that we put in front of ourselves and see if it stacks up to the classics of old. Last episode, we took a look at the Iliad and Marvel, specifically the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we focused on heroes, honor, and legacy. We discussed what a Homeric hero was versus what a Marvel superhero acts like. We talked about what kind of honor the two different heroes pursue, and then ultimately what legacy those two different heroes left behind and how that came about. I would recommend you give it a listen. Uh, We had the assistant professor of classics at Hillsdale, Dr. Fincher, tag along to give a little bit more background and detail on the Homeric side of things. This time, this episode, we will be talking about Rango and structuralism. And I'll be going in-depth on what Rango gives as a movie and then what structuralism is, and how Rango interacts with structuralism. But before I do that, I should give some context. I love the movie Rango. It came out 2011. I watched it when I was, you know, still a kid. And it was, it is a very good movie, I still think. I think its animation still holds up. It is an animated movie. I'll explain that in a second. So just, there will be spoilers for it. But if you enjoy, it's called a comedy western If you enjoy just tongue-in-cheek humor, some fourth wall breaking, um, but also an interesting, complex story if you actually try and analyze it, something that can be enjoyed by both adults and kids, I would absolutely recommend giving it a watch. But anyway, that being said, what is Rango? So like I said, it's a 2011 animated film. It features anthropomorphized characters, a la Disney, but in a much grittier style. And that is the first important point that I want to bring up in our discussion, is that it's two genres overlapping with each other. It has the animated anthropomorphized Disney-esque style with a classic Clint Eastwood-inspired spaghetti western. And it uses those two genres in, in telling its story because you are introduced to these characters as they look kind of silly, kind of over-the-top with their animated style. The main character is a chameleon whose neck is crooked and has one eye much larger than the others in this out-of-whack way. But it's this crazy character design and these interesting, intriguing character designs that draw you in 
And then with that suspension of disbelief, it tells a fascinating story. Its story focuses on the creation of a hero's identity, challenging that identity, and reshaping it. It breaks the fourth wall a lot in a way that I really think shapes its own kind of genre. Because it uses all of these different things. It has a little bit of surrealism where there are moments in the movie that, are just, that just break reality. Because it's not trying to stay consistent. It's just trying to give you a powerful story. But I should explain what this story is. So Rango is the name of our protagonist. But not at the start. Rango is a chameleon with no name at first. Stuck in a cage in the back of a car on a road trip through the desert. And Rango breaks the fourth wall immediately. See, this chameleon is a bit of a theater kid. And we catch this chameleon acting out a dramatic scene where he has to fight off a villain, save a princess. But instead of it being other animals or creatures, they are a plastic Barbie doll torso, a wind-up goldfish toy, uh, a dead cricket, and a couple other things. Rango is a lonely chameleon in this world. And he breaks the fourth wall by, in the narrative of this play, this theater performance that he's putting on for himself to pass the time, he talks about how the hero needs a sudden twist to drive his motive forward and cause him to act and reshape his identity. And then immediately after that, the car swerves, Rango's cage falls out of the back, shatters, and he's left in the middle of the desert. There's a twist in the movie that challenges the hero, shapes his identity beyond just this lonely, dramatic chameleon. It's not actually breaking the fourth wall. It's just coincidence that the chameleon that will soon be called Rango had this revelation about his theater, but it breaks the fourth wall in that very kind of obvious connection. But so after he falls out of the, the vehicle, he meets an armadillo, the cause of this swerve and the accident, named Roadkill. And I'm going to quickly summarize the plot simply because I don't have time to tell you the story of a full animated film. Again, I would recommend you watch it even after having heard these spoilers. He meets another lizard, a desert lizard, that takes him to Dirt, which is the archetypal western town. It has an array of characters that fill tradition. You have a, you have a large, I think it's a salamander, that is the the gruff kind of bandit mercenary. There is a doc who is a hare or a jackrabbit that is an alcoholic and you find him asleep on the bar. There is a bird who's the old war vet and has an arrow sticking through his, his head, going through one eye, that is never acknowledged in some pretty funny instances. You have this mare who is a tortoise in a wheelchair and he is definitely the conniving deceptive, charismatic mare archetype. There are all these characters that fill both their archetypal role in the Western genre and their archetypal role in the Disney anthropomorphized type, because you have the, the person in power that's evil and deceptive. You have these lovable but kind of uh, goofy characters. And the character design lens like builds itself into this with the grittiness contrasting the anthropomorphized animal style, creating a 
doubleness in the genres that are portrayed here as it goes through the Western style story. Rango acts like he is this great hero, uses his, this is where he takes the name Rango when he enters into the town, eventually becomes sheriff, has to help the town deal with a water drought that is artificially created via the mayor's insidiousness because he wants to buy up all the land and let progress come through the West. Ultimately, Rango stops him, and there is a climactic moment where water has finally come back to the town, and this bully character, Rattlesnake Jake, is facing down Rango. And Rango looks him in the eyes, and there's this beautiful moment of realization where the rattlesnake realizes Rango would shoot him. And Rango has gone from this shaky-legged, dramatic guy with no real personality behind the artificial one that he presented to the town, which made him sheriff, to an actual character with a real personality and a real commitment to keeping his friends, keeping the town safe, and a real sheriff now. So this, this story has the hero's identity created, quite literally created, as Rango is a name made up probably a quarter of the way through the film. Um, so made that identity, challenges that identity, and allows it to reshape inside of these two genres. But what does that have to do with structuralism? And what even is structuralism? So I'm going to give a brief definition of structuralism, and then we will go to a quick break. So structuralism is this concept that one can understand a piece of media by the structures, which is the genre, the medium, the tropes that it uses, which build into it. So in contrasting the two genres that Rango uses, we've already talked about structuralism. We just haven't put a name to it. Structuralism emerged in the 1960s in response to existentialism, which, while structuralism seeks to bind everything to different tropes and archetypes, existentialism seeks to let everything be loose and have there be almost no real structure to a thing. Existentialism lets things be what they are, while structuralism seeks to define something almost solely by how it fits into the different structures that it uses. And so it came to prominence in the 1960s. I should say, structuralism can be used for literary interpretation, but it also can be used for philosophy, anthropology, and a whole host of other topics, linguistics as well, studying the language, archaeology, history. It is a structuralism as a concept is a very, very broad term, but I'm specifically using it for literary interpretation here. And we'll talk about how structuralism actually fits into Rango and Rango into structuralism in a hot second. But I'm going to go to break. So everybody, I'll see you all in a second. Welcome back to Narrative Analysis with Nate, right here on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Take it away, Nate. Hello, everybody, and we are back to Narrative Analysis with Nate. Just before the break, I had talked about what structuralism is as a concept. It's a, a means of studying literature, and it seeks to define that literature by the archetypes, the tropes, the genres, the structures that it uses from outside. 
But before we get into how structuralism is used in Rango, I just wanted to mention kind of a fun fact to get us back into the swing of things, which is that, so the animation, I've talked up a lot of the animation, but I wanted to give a clear example of just how good Rango's animation really is. So there's a bunch of these different animals that appear in the movie as it's anthropomorphized, 3D animated, but something that Rango does to go above and beyond. So all of these animals, these characterizations of animals are based off of real desert animals, a desert tortoise, certain birds that live in the desert. And so when animating the eyes of each and every different type of animal, the animators looked at how light bounces off of the particular types of eyes of each animal, and then in their animating, mimicked that light effect, which added hours and hours of time to their work. But, I mean, it's a, it's a very small thing. If you're watching the movie and not looking for it, you don't notice. You just, it's just kind of looks more realistic, but it doesn't really click as to why. You don't look at the eyes and say, wow, that looks so realistic. The light bounces off of that so accurately. But it's just a, a, an extra piece of commitment to show just how good this animation is that they went above and beyond to make the eyes individually, uniquely deal with sunlight or other fixtures of light in a realistic, accurate way to the animals that the characters are built off of. Anyway, I just think that's a very fun fact, very cool bit of the movie. So if you haven't watched it and, wa- and want to watch it afterwards, that's something to look out for. Just a little fun fact. They put a lot of effort into this movie. And it's obviously a labor of love. But with that being said, structuralism and Rango, the genres of anthropomorphized animal Disney a esque and the Spaghetti Western. So in discussing what exactly the Spaghetti Western effect is here, I think we need to discuss the concept of the dying of a genre. And I think that's going to be our theme in discussing how these two structures, how these two genres work with each other. Because the Clint Eastwood style spaghetti western is very old now. Clint Eastwood himself is very old and has moved on to directing movies more than playing in them, though he, of course, still has roles that he plays. But the spaghetti western genre, the classic spaghetti western genre, really has not seen much of a resurgence in, in late media. Of course, there are still westerns, but they're not in the same style that the classic western has, that defining piece of the genre. But Rango harkens back to that, and I think that we can see exactly what Rango the movie is trying to say about the spaghetti western genre in the middle of the movie, after the identity of Rango, the sheriff, is challenged, and it's shown that this chameleon is just an act and a ruse, Rango goes back to the spot where he fell out of his owner's car. And in that spot, he crosses the road. Now, this is a very symbolic moment, because beyond the road, it was famed as the spirit of the West. And this crossing the street is symbolic of death. Rango as a personality, dies. Well, because Rango didn't even exist beforehand. It was this mirage that the chameleon made, a name that he gave himself to act the part. And so Rango meets the spirit of the West, who is quite obviously designed to mimic Clint Eastwood. 
And the Spirit of the West encourages and exhorts Rango to go out and actually be what he said he was, this sheriff to the people. This, in this state of death, Rango experiences these markers of his past in a very surreal way. He sees uh, this, the goldfish toy, the wind-up goldfish toy, floating past him in this giant, slow, lumbering motion. He has to face the fact that the image that he made of himself is, in fact, an illusion. In so doing, we are seeing the challenging of the spaghetti western. There really aren't heroes like the Clint Eastwood-styled hero that Rango mimics in modern media. To find Clint Eastwood, one must go back to a dead time, crossing that road. But this isn't all doom and gloom, because the spirit of the West exhorts Rango, encourages Rango to go back and fulfill that identity. And so this movie, I believe, is an attempt at reviving or modernizing that spirit of the West, that classic Western movie. And doing so by keeping to the core concepts. You have the archetypes, you have the tropes, you have the story structure, and you have a, a real Western movie, but it involves very modern concepts with fourth wall breaking and with cutesy animals. Well, not always cutesy, but 3D animated animals. And you have this style that is a very modern style built into the classic spaghetti western tropes. It is a melding of these two genres. When we look at Rango through the lens of structuralism, that's what we find. And ultimately, the spaghetti western is revived at the end of the story because Rango does go back. He turns on the water and this town, the town of dirt, which was in this drought because of the mayor's deceptiveness, is now revived itself and progress will not stop the West's survival. And this movie I think, very aptly uses its two genres. I mean, the anthropomorphized animal style is a modern genre, if for no other reason than the technology has not, did not exist at the time of the classic Western. But it's using a modern genre and mixing it with a classic story to keep both genres alive and ultimately come up with something that harkens on both traditions. It's a lovely meeting in the middle, and it tells a powerful story of coming to one's identity. Rango, the chameleon, was no one, a acting fake hero, was given the chance to become a hero, failed, re-evaluated who he was as a person, met the spirit of the West, that heart of the classic Western, came to his, his realization that the thing stopping Rango from being real was not the fact that he was a chameleon that previously wasn't Rango, but that he was not acting the part and he didn't have the, the real belief in himself. And so he, he gathered his strength, found the heart of the problem, brought water back to the town, faced his fears, this giant rattlesnake, instead of a rattle, has a gatling gun at the end of his tail, faced his, his fears, and saved the day. It is, a, it is a beautiful story. 
And I think that's where I want to end it on, that structuralism, using structuralism, we can see just exactly what Rango is trying to say about the Western and about the genre that it, that it was and it can be. The Western is not dead, though the golden age of the classic Western is gone. The classic Western can still live on in its modern world, in the modern interpretation. There is still hope for Clint Eastwood's soul, the spirit of the West. And that's where I'm going to end it. Thank you all for listening. Again, I love the movie Rango. It is a classic, gorgeous movie, both in style, in story, in character design, every bit of it I love. So I would recommend you give it a watch, even after you've listened to this. And before I send y'all off, I'm going to go ahead and hint at what we'll be talking about next week, which is The Truman Show. Another movie, this one featuring the famous Jim Carrey. We'll be looking at The Truman Show and how it interacts with reader expectation, or in this instance, because it's a movie, audience expectation, which is a form of literary interpretation based off of what the piece of media is building the audience's expectation to be, comes the very obvious name, audience expectation. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this discussion on Rango, structuralism, how the two interact with each other. Again, just one last comment. If you did miss last week's episode, feel free to check that out on SoundCloud, Marvel, and the Iliad. And with that being said, I bid you all adieu. Farewell. Bye-bye.